is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. Welcome into the Go Blue Crew. I am Tyler Fenwick with, as always, Derek Devine. Derek, how has your week been? Week's been good. You know, I, I feel like we are, you know, it seems like a good week. I don't, you know, we don't touch on anything, you know, anything political or worldly usually, but I we just don't even get like, personal usually. We don't, but I think today's been a great day. I think this week's been a great week. You know, it's the typical Thursday evening podcast. You know, we have some great things to talk about, maybe some, you know, eh, things to talk about, but I'm doing good. How's the weather? Stuff? Weather? I, oh, no. See, if we want to start being negative. <laughs> no, because in Indianapolis today, it's like 50 degrees and the sun is out. Yeah, I'd say we touched 38 um, with sun, okay. but because there's snow on the ground, it's kind of turned into this muddy, slushy, you know, like not as beautiful of a 38 degree day as one would hope, but it's okay. better than 20. Okay. Well, I'm glad I brought that up then, but I'm doing well. As always, so I got nothing to complain about. Uh, we're gonna talk first, just for a couple minutes, about Michigan's uh, defensive staff, which which is finalized uh, on the football side, and then we'll we'll jump over to basketball. We have a couple games to talk about. We knew about well, we pretty much knew about Mike McDonald coming over from the Ravens to be the def- defensive coordinator. Uh, Maurice Maurice uh, Linguist is how we're gonna say that because uh, we couldn't think of any better pronunciation and, and that's just what looks right coach mo, mo coach mo, coach mo. And we'll just call him coach mo uh, he's gonna be a co-defensive coordinator and also coach the cornerbacks uh let's see other notables in here greg helo or maybe it's hello no i feel like it's got to be helo with one l in there uh, he's gonna coach the safeties jay harbaugh as technical defense but you know he's gonna be full-time special teams coordinator uh the theme here is youth a lot of a lot of young coaches coming in and it's most notable at that defensive coordinator spot where you know don brown is a guy who's been around doing this kind of thing forever mike mcdonald is uh, a real up-and-comer is is the i guess the aspirational way to put this you know didn't play a lot of football but but he's kind of risen through the coaching ranks what's your impression of what Jim Harbaugh has been able to assemble on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm glad with the addition of Coach Mo. Um, I think you have an element that I believe was missing from kind of that D coordinator, assistant D coordinator position, uh, a guy with really extensive recruiting experience. I think that's, you know, been a hot topic for Michigan football for a while now, especially in this off season. A lot of people, you know, put that at the top, if not, um, uh, you know, at least top three for most people of, you know, you got to find guys who can recruit on the defensive side. And, and this is a guy who comes in with, you know, incredible recruiting experience. Um, recruiter shot Bateman to Minnesota, for an example, and has pulled a number of, you know, high profile Texas recruits to Texas A&M and has already offered a bunch of high profile Texas uh, recruits uh, to come, you know, visit Michigan and, and, you know, check out Michigan. And so I think that that for me um, makes this uh, a little bit easier to chew because I, I do think you look at this and I like the youth movement. I think that would be great for players and connecting with players. I think you got a lot of guys, even on the offensive side, like bringing in a Mike Hart, you know, younger, uh, determined to, you know, make their way up in the coaching ranks. will connect with players. 
probably better than, you know, someone older will. But yeah, the lack of experience with play calling on the defensive side, you know, the lack of experience of, of being an actual coordinator um, is a little frightening. But, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh made the move uh, that made the most sense for this team and it's go young, uh, try to get some up and comers that are looking to prove themselves. And, and then ultimately, hopefully these guys will be better recruiters as well. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of a Josh Gaddis situation where Jim Harbaugh is kind of placing his trust in somebody who's, uh, you know, not not totally unproven, but will be stepping definitely into a new role. And I, you know, who knows what the 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 patience looks like here? I mean, Harbaugh's in a different situation now than when he hired Josh Gaddis. Uh, last thing I want to ask you before we move on to basketball, I don't know if you saw Amber Thomas made a comment about how basically, you know, he thought it was unfair that Don Brown was fired uh, because of the pandemic. He thought there really shouldn't be any coaching changes just because of all the challenges the program went through last offseason and during the season, uh, not just with pausing and, st- and and going again and, and not knowing what was going to happen, but also opt-outs. And Amber Thomas was one of those opt-outs. This is something we talked about last year, and I was wondering, do you, do you agree with him? Uh, what do you think of his comment? Yeah, I mean, I can see where he's coming from. Um... I feel like anytime you're in the thick of it, like these players are, and they're, they're connected with coaches that, you know, they've been, you know, riding or dying with, and, you know, he opted out. So I think it makes his comments eh, a little bit more questionable um, because he wasn't, you know, wasn't in a position to want to play for Don Brown this season. Um, so then to, you know, speak on uh, the whole Don Brown situation seems a little, you know, a little bit bad taste, but, you know, I don't blame him. I think that, He's well aware that key pieces were missing in the defense um, and that it's not truly Don Brown's fault what happened, at least in 2020. Um, But yeah, I think when he's in the thick of it and, you know, these players are are all connected and and playing for a coach. And I I believe Don Brown was very well liked. I mean, Brady Hulk was very well liked by players. You know, it just didn't work out for him, obviously. So I'm not surprised by his comments, but I think he doesn't have the same perspective that, you know, many fans do many, you know, college football enthusiasts outside of the program would of, you know, this thing was heading in the wrong direction uh, in terms of the defensive scope and, and had been for a while. Um, And he was on, you know, some of those teams that, you know, kind of had things going in the wrong direction. And so it's no one man's fault. It's obviously a unit. I think that's what he's trying to speak into here, but yeah, I mean, don't love it, uh, but he's moved on. Don Brown's moved on, and so, you know, just trying to focus on the players that are around. All right, let's pump the brakes, turn right. We're talking about basketball here. Since we last talked, Michigan had, like, two of the polar opposite games you can kind of think of for this season. First loss of the season, 75-57, that was on the road against Minnesota, and then turned around and played a stellar game against Maryland, 87 to 63 win and it was another one of those wins where uh the final score there's a wide gap but you felt like it it definitely could have been wider you know if it hadn't been for the last five minutes or so when when things you know tend to get a little sloppier you bring in guys off the bench and whatnot uh did you learn anything new about michigan watching those two games I mean, we learned and we had talked about this that they can be beat um i was surprised on how they were beat you know it was like you said, polar opposite to what they had done to three ranked teams before that. It's, you know, completely, you know, on the other side of the spectrum compared to what they did, you know, the game just after that um, against Maryland. And and I just, 
I think what we learned is, you know, any team um, can essentially beat any team in the Big Ten. Um, and not like we needed to, to know that. I think we already knew that that could be the case. But, you know, they're beatable and they do have weaknesses. And, and I think uh, their weaknesses, they, they never really found a way to respond. Uh, they had done that in games before. I mean, a lot of the talk this season has been the incredible runs that they have gone on as a unit. Um, after a, a, maybe a team goes on a 9-0 scoring run, they'll come back and go like 34-5. to I mean, we've seen that multiple times, but, you know, Minnesota really started tearing them apart and it just seemed very early on that it was going to be one of those get this out of the way games. Um, it turned out to be that. And I, and I think what what's most important and what we learned is they are more likely going to be the team that showed up against Maryland in the next game, the team that dominated Wisconsin, the team that beat two other ranked teams pretty badly. Um, than they are to, you know, look like that team that played Minnesota. So I think we've learned that they are probably going to be okay. I don't want to see them lose like that again. Um, if they want to lose in overtime because it's the Big Ten and things are crazy, that's fine. Don't love the, you know, 20-point loss or whatever it ended up being. Um, I tuned out there just because it's a little frustrating with like, you know, yeah. two, three <laughs> minutes to go. So I didn't see the final, final score, I guess. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a team that was picked to be a dark horse for winning the conference. And they very quickly turned into a team that looks like the best in the conference, if not one of the better in the country. Um, they looked, you know, more human than they ever have in a loss to Minnesota. Um, a road blowout, I guess it was. But, you know, to bounce back the way they did. Um, and, you know, they beat Maryland in the first four minutes and, and Maryland never had a chance. And I think that's the best way. Uh, to prove that you know you're still something to um, to to be be afraid of in the Big Ten. Yeah, I'll tell you what I learned is that Michigan is 0-1 without Eli Brooks, and I know that Eli Brooks um, can't single-handedly make up for 75 minus 57. I believe is 18, right? Yep. Yeah, I don't think he can single-handedly make up for an 18-point loss, but you look at some of the numbers, like 20 turnovers and. And Mike Smith didn't score a point, had 10 assists. Uh, Hunter Dickinson had five turnovers and nine points. Isaiah Livers was 4-11 from the field and, and finished with 11 points and a couple turnovers. Uh, Shawnee Brown is really the only good offensive weapon that game. He had 14 points, hit a couple of threes. But we learned, I think, that Eli Brooks is just so important to this team. And it's kind of ironic because we were talking about what Hunter Dickinson means to the team. And we've seen games now where he's uh, much less of a factor offensively than, than he was early when he was just dominating everyone. And for the most part, like Michigan is able to move on just fine with him drawing a double team and kicking out to an open shooter. Perhaps it's Eli Brooks. Maybe it'd be the same if Michigan was missing Mike Smith for a full game or, or, or Franz Wagner even. I mean, maybe it's, it's these guys who are actually holding everything together because uh, I, I, can't, I can't see uh, a Michigan team with Eli Brooks losing that badly in that fashion. Not to say that it wasn't just a bad game and, and not to say that a, a, a full-strength Michigan team can't lose, but I don't see it happening in that way. So that's what I learned. Yeah, I think, you know, speaking of Eli Brooks, I just think that it's unlikely, you know, like you said, that, you know, he makes up the 18 points and they win the game. But at the same time, it, I, I do wonder, you know, 
what the game looks like with him because he might not drop all 18 points by himself or it would you know take 19 I guess to win but I think the turnovers are going to be limited and, and then all of a sudden your deficit isn't as bad. Um, I can see Eli Brooks really helping in that first half of the Minnesota game, maybe not letting it get out of control. Uh, maybe Mike Smith's not playing well and needs to step back, and they put Shawnee Brown out there who was playing well, and you've got Eli Brooks running the point. You know, I think Mike Smith proved in this last game against Maryland that you know he can be incredible. Um, he can be a really good player. I mean, he's been a, a playmaker uh, his whole career as a college basketball player, just asked to play a different role in Michigan's lineup like we've discussed before. But, yeah, I do think it's, you know, less of a blowout if Eli Brooks is in there, though I do think, you know, Minnesota had Michigan's number no matter what that night. But, yeah, thinking of that game and, you know, how Hunter Dickinson has, has really been quiet, you know, two games in a row for sure and pretty quiet against Wisconsin. Uh, except for, I think, some, you know, great plays in the second half. He was held to 12, you know, and this is after, you know, just completely going off against Minnesota the first time. I think he had 25 against Maryland the first time, had near 20 against Northwestern. He's been really quiet, and and I think that it's good that Michigan can beat Maryland handily with him scoring three points. But, you know, again, like I talked about last week, you, you don't recommend him having a quiet night because he is – you know, one of the biggest playmakers on the team. If he plays well, Michigan has, you know, a much better chance at winning. And I, this takes me back to, I think, the first time we talked basketball and, and whether it was the show that didn't air or the one that first did. Um, one thing that I said that would limit Michigan and maybe cause some losses is, you know, Hunter Dickinson not being effective and injury. And unfortunately, uh, with Eli Brooks sitting out that kind of proved that, yeah, you know, when they're down a man as deep as they can be at times, it hurts them. And, you know, whether it was all him being out or not, um, a loss is a loss. And it was much, uh, it was relieving to see him uh, in there. And I feel like he's a much needed addition to this roster. Yeah. After that game, Juwan Howard um, basically said, you know, he was expecting some of these other players to step up and he didn't see it. And then do you look at what Michigan did against Maryland? And it was like everybody wanted to be that guy. Isaiah Livers was a star at 20 points, knocked down four of his five threes. Uh, Franz Wagner at 15. Mike Smith had 11. Brandon Johns Jr. was off the bench with 11. Uh, and all of that happened while Hunter Dickinson made three points. Uh, he had three points and three shots. I mean, that is incredible. And he only had six rebounds, too. Uh, and, and he finished up with a steal and, and three blocks. Of course, he was, you know, his presence was definitely felt on defense. But, but this just keeps going back to what we what we've been talking about with Hunter Dickinson, and it's like where where does Michigan go when things aren't clicking for him? And I wouldn't even say things weren't clicking for him. Like it just simply wasn't needed. He was doing a really good job of seeing the court. Uh, he didn't rush it too often, which is you know great for a, a, a freshman who, who is older, but, you know, is in this first season of, of college basketball. And I got to think at this point, like, this is the Michigan team we basically should expect against the non-elite of the Big Ten. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, what happened against Wisconsin recently, you know, we shouldn't expect that to happen against, like, Iowa later in the year, I know. But when Michigan is playing uh, IU or Purdue, these two games coming up, I feel like we should kind of be expecting uh, these kinds of wins that are maybe not as lopsided, but definitely decisive. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think 
you know, even in some of these games that, you know, could end up in losses, I, I wouldn't, same thing with what you said for Wisconsin, I wouldn't expect Michigan to get blown out by 20 by another team either, maybe except for Iowa. You know, Iowa definitely has the potential if Garza wants to score 55, and, you know, even if he has one person, you know, score 10. I mean, Iowa's going to beat anybody, I'm sure. Um, and that's, again, why Hunter Dickinson is so important. If, if he can put up his 15, 20 points and have a really good game, you know, it doesn't take a lot from guys like Livers or Wagner or, or Brown off the bench because, you know, Dickinson's taking on the load of the scoring. I mean, they're they're averaging, you know, quite a few points a game. But if you look at some of these um, scoring breakdowns, sometimes you're surprised to see, you know, how little some guys had. Um, I mean, even Eli Brooks, like, you know, only took seven points and look at the the score. Um, I, I think I want to give, you know, a lot of credit and love to Austin Davis. I think Austin Davis almost played in a way this last game um, that he was trying to be a starter again. He, he will not be a starter. I mean, you just simply can't not start Hunter Dickinson unless he really loses his composure um, and just looks all out of sorts out there like he has at times in the last two games. But Austin Davis came in and played just 10 minutes but had nine points, super efficient, only missed one shot, um, did struggle from the free throw line, uh, which, you know, he kind of always has. And then, like you said, Brandon Johns, um, you know, playing 13 minutes, trying to, you know, also fill in a, a void that Hunter Dickinson had left in that game, scoring 11 and was also extremely efficient. I mean, that's just such a great sign for those times where Dickinson's a little quiet uh, to have two guys that can run the five spot, um, just, you know, be really productive. I mean, that's 20 out of the 87 points from guys who played less than 15 minutes in the game. Yeah, we could really talk about Austin Davis for like most of every show. I think depending on how you're measuring it, you could make a case that Austin Davis is like the most important holdover for Jawan Howard. Not the most talented, obviously. You got uh, Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner up at the top of that list, along with Eli Brooks. But giving Hunter Dickinson that buffer, especially early in the season, even though Dickinson did end up kind of getting thrust into the starting role with Austin Davis's injury, it wasn't immediate. And by that point, you know, we had seen enough to know that he can handle it. And now that he's back, not starting, he's coming off the bench and giving really, really good, uh, productive minutes. And he's just a guy who, I mean, he's so easy to, to cheer for. He's so easy to like, and you know, you want to see him be successful. I, I, I just love watching players like Austin Davis who, absolutely know what their role is and they they play it uh perfectly so coming up for michigan purdue indiana probably northwestern by the time we do another show you know that's a northwestern is next wednesday uh purdue this friday indiana uh oh 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 i was i was i was reading the schedule very wrong Derek. i don't know if you caught me i was you know i i've given you a chance <laughs> I, I can just imagine the face you were making like, oh, this idiot. <laughs> I, I thought maybe I was looking at the 2019-2020 schedule. No, it's just, it's just so weird in the, in the middle of the season to see. And I noticed this uh, yesterday or the day before, and I, I just forgot. But it's weird to see such a big break in the middle of the season, right? Yeah. Friday. So Friday, January 22nd, Michigan's playing Purdue. They don't play again after that until... January 30th, next Saturday, that's against Indiana. Um, what I was going to say, I mean, it's still relevant. I mean, these look like 
three games that Michigan should win. Purdue, uh, probably the the toughest one in there. They've they've won uh, four in a row as of now. Um, you know, beat Ohio State 67-65 earlier this week. I, but like three three wins that you should have, right? I would say so. Um, you know, Purdue, just because they're hot, um, I think, you know, like you said, is the one game in these next three that, um, you know, maybe makes you wonder um, what will happen. But I will say, you know, we looked at the schedule last week and I said, I don't know if I see a Michigan loss. And then, you know, Minnesota did what they did to, to Michigan. So again, you never know, but yeah, I'd be more afraid of playing Purdue. Um, and wasn't it, wasn't it uh Trevion Williams last year that scored like 70 points? I mean, it wasn't 70 <laughs> points, but isn't that who just randomly went off after, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure broadcasts were saying, oh, you know, he's, you know, hasn't done a ton this season and he's playing really good basketball this year. Um, but I'm pretty sure last year he, you know, went off for like 30. I, I feel like he couldn't miss a shot. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like I am remembering that correctly. Uh, he had, he had 18 when they played the second time, the first time a double overtime game. What did he do? He had he had 36. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every team that she could played last year had one guy who just had a career day and that yeah, that was Travion Williams that day. Yeah, so yeah, all that to say, I'm glad I was right. I th- I thought it was in the 30s near 40. Um when I see Purdue and I think of him and and how he was just so incredibly efficient in that one game. Um, yeah, it makes me a little extra nervous to to face a guy who's had a you know a career night against Michigan before. Yeah, and Michigan, by the way, went on to win that game, eighty four to seventy eight, double overtime. So, uh, you know, it's it's definitely it's it's not a theme that I am worried about really this season because we just haven't seen it. But Purdue Purdue's got to be the 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 most likely team out of the next three that Michigan would lose to. But then after that, uh, February 6th, I mean, I know we're in January, but it's really not that far away is uh, Michigan state. Mm-hmm. And so then that's the first of, of two games against the Spartans. And I know it doesn't, doesn't carry uh, quite the same uh, hype, I guess, as you know, outside of the two fan bases as what we've kind of come to expect in recent years. But you know, the, very important stretch coming up here for Michigan because you're looking at one, two, three, four winnable games in a row before you play Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, I feel like we've learned so much about Michigan so far, but I, I, I guess my last question to you before we get off here, um, what what is what is one thing or maybe two things, whatever, that, that you're looking for to, to see from Michigan in, in this next stretch before you you know you get back into like playing Wisconsin and later Iowa. I'd like to see one more game similar to what we saw against Maryland or Wisconsin or you know any of the other ranked teams uh, that ended up in those big dominant victories. One, those are fun. Two, I think that anytime you can come out and do that, I mean you're just really showing the nation at this point that you know you are 
a current favorite amongst the teams in the Big Ten and, you know, even a favorite to be a high seed in the tournament. Um, I'd also like to see Hunter Dickinson turn it back on. I don't, you know, I don't need him to score 30 and, and play as well as he had uh, against Maryland um, the first time and, and even against Minnesota the first time. But I like to see him, you know, be out there and look dominant again. He has those plays where it's like, wow, like, you know, only he could do that uh, on Michigan's team. But, you know, just seeing him go so quiet um, this last game just, you know, isn't a comfortable feeling. And so I'm sure even for him, um, just getting that game under his belt again where he can drop 15, 20 points, you know, miss maybe one shot, pull up, pull down a ton of boards, five blocks. I think he needs a big game. So those are the two things for me that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, as far as Hunter Dickinson goes, I'm not going to disagree with you, but if as as long as he's uh, you know out there drawing a bunch of attention like he did against Maryland, I think that's perfectly fine. He had three points and only took three shots. Played 21 minutes. Austin Davis spelled him uh, for 10, and of course Austin Davis was was really productive out there. It finished with nine points, three times Hunter Dickinson's point production. I mean, I know it's a small number anyway but you know it's, it's a difference I think between uh what 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 happened against Minnesota where he was just ineffective compared to what happened against Maryland where he was effective it just wasn't you know a 15 and 10 game he was doing a really good job seeing the floor uh, drawing a lot of attention to himself and, and keeping himself composed so you know yeah obviously it would be nice to to see him become uh dominant again and i totally suspect he will i don't think there's anything to worry about that's not what we're trying to do here but uh is it there's more than more than one way to kind of make yourself be a big impact on the game and hunter dickinson i think did that really well against maryland yeah for sure i i think that as long as i you know continue to to be impressed in in, in many facets of what what's happening on the court I think I'll continue to have confidence that uh, this team, you know, even though beatable, sure, um, has a great chance to to win the Big Ten outright to to make noise in both the Big Ten and NCAA tournament. You know, hopefully, Lord willing, we get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that this team is just so fun to watch, and you know, it's it's fun to tune in anytime they play because you know, more than more likely than not. Uh, you're going to see something that you're impressed by. And, and that's just the reality of, you know, only having that one loss this season is it's been a fun team to watch and, you know, they've been putting on the show. All right, that's what we'll drop it for today. Uh, Friday, January 22nd, Michigan and Purdue. That's a road game, 7 p.m., Fox Sports 1. Uh, by the time we talk to you again, we'll likely just have that one game to talk about, unlike what I said earlier, because I can't read – uh, schedule, but but we'll get back and, and keep talking Michigan basketball. Hopefully we'll be talking about another win. So take care and go blue. Go blue.